This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Blush. I'm your host, Hiva, and I'm coming at you live from Sydney. Well, no, I'm not coming at you live from Sydney. That's factually incorrect. I am recording in Sydney, but this obviously is not live. Okay, let's just move right along. I am finally in Sydney, and it took hell for me to get here. Um, Where do I start? Okay, so here is how I was booked. I was booked on American Airlines from New York to Dallas and then on Qantas from Dallas to Sydney. Great, perfect, beautiful. And remember last week when I said, I just have so much anxiety that something's going to go wrong. And, you know, I have these competing fears of missing my layover, but I'm also afraid of losing my bag. Well, my friends, all of the above happened. So here's how it went down. Because I was so anxious, I A, decided the worst thing that could happen was for me to lose my podcasting equipment because she's just such a consummate professional. I mean, would never leave you guys hanging. I actually want to say ever since I've been doing the podcast solo, I have not missed one fucking day. I've traveled to the other side of the planet. I've traveled other places. I've been sick. I've, uh, you know, had a dog become re-paralyzed. I've had all sorts of shit happen to me and I've not missed one week. Not to brag. Anyway, let's move right along from that. Um, so I decided to put my podcast equipment in my carry-on case um, and put like a few clothes just in case my bag gets lost or something. So I have something for a few days to tide me over. Great, beautiful, stunning. I also decided to show up to the airport super early because, you know, I just had a feeling something was going to go wrong. So I get to the airport and my flight from New York to Dallas has been canceled. I find that out when I'm checking in. And so they're like, well, thank God you're here so early because you can actually take this other flight we're going to rebook you on that's leaving in an hour and a, uh, leaving an hour and a half earlier than your original flight. And I was like, beautiful, stunning. Thank God I came to the airport early. I mean, look at that. And I'm going to have a longer time for my layover. I don't even need to stress about missing that. I mean, look at that. Just lucky girl syndrome left and fucking right. Um, so so I go to the gate and no one's boarding and they should be boarding. So I was like, huh, that's odd. And everyone's like, yeah, no, it's been delayed. And apparently that flight was actually supposed to be two hours before that, but they got on the plane and then were deboarded and then were reboarded and then were deboarded again. So the flight keeps getting pushed back, keeps getting pushed back. And I go and I talk to the American Airlines people. I'm like, guys, if this gets pushed back anymore, like I might not make my connecting. And they were like, honestly, I would just get on it because it's the only way to go. Like if you miss your connecting, there's like a, an identical flight to Sydney the next day. You'll just get rebooked for that. There's plenty of room on it. It's absolutely no issue. And there's a strong chance that you will still make your flight. So like, don't even worry about it. And it keeps getting pushed back, keeps getting pushed back. And um, we're finally in the air. And I talked to the flight attendants and um, 
they're like, well, we, I was like, well, do you have any information on the Qantas flight? And they were like, you know what? Um, we like they checked in and Qantas told them that they're trying to hold that flight for us till we land. So they did hold it for like, I don't know, an hour. Um, and like, and I kind of had a good feeling about this because some people who were on my flight who were supposed to go to Sydney decided to like go home from the airport because they were like, I don't want to like risk getting stuck in Dallas. But I had kind of a good feeling at this point. And I'd been right about having a wrong feeling initially. So I was like, eh, I'm just going to go, whatever. So we land and there's like six of us who are running to that um, flight to Sydney. And so we run, run, run. And it had taken off. So great. We miss our flight. We um, all six of us individually, but like kind of sitting in a circle, call Qantas customer service because it's late at the Dallas airport and there was no one there. No help desks, no American help desk, no help desk is open. So we're like, excellent, great. There's like actually barely any people working at the airport at all. It was actually like quite shocking. Like I've never, like in a post 9-11 world, I've never really seen an airport with so little, I don't know, security. I don't know. It was very, very strange. Anyway, so I finally got through to a customer service lady and she says, a lot of very, very strange things to me, starting with, well, your flight landed in Dallas at 8.35. And I was like, well, that's factually incorrect because if it landed at 8.35, I would be on my flight to Sydney right now, but that didn't happen. And that's why you and I are on the phone together right now. And she kept saying things like that. And I was like, yo, do you think this is fun for me? Like, are you having a good time? Because like, I don't think this is going well. Like, trust me, I'm not calling you for my personal shits and giggles. I'm calling you because I need to talk to a human being because my flight landed after the other flight took off. So what do you want me to do here? Whatever. So we go back and forth. She says a lot of like wild, wild things to me. One of my personal favorites was she goes, okay, I can rebook you from Dallas to Australia, Australia to Los Angeles, Los Angeles to Sydney. And I was like, well, why? And she's like, that's all I can do. And I was like, Okay, but that seems a little crazy to me. Like, why would I go to Australia and then come back to the US and then go back to Australia? And so it keeps going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth about like 10 minutes into this debate. I find out that by Australia, she means Austin. So I was like, excellent. So things are going great in your life. Like you really have your head on straight, huh? And the thing is, like, if she had just misspoken the first time, I would have been like, whatever. But the fact that it took like 10 minutes of this back and forth for her to like find out that Australia and Austin are not the same places. I was like, okay, this is this is I just don't have a tremendous amount of faith in this conversation, but like whatever. Um, but my personal favorite thing that happened with her was after about two hours of us being on the phone, when we're finally hanging up, she goes, OK, bye, Mr. Heva. And that was Mr. M-I-S-T-E-R, Mr. Like, does this bitch think I'm a man? We were on the phone together for two fucking hours. And you know what? My voice might be a little bit manly, manly right now because, I, you know, I've been through some shit and I was like sobbing a few hours ago, which I will get to because the saga goes on for a long ass fucking time. But 
like, what the fuck? I do not sound like a man. Okay, whatever. Let's just move right along. So I was rebooked from Dallas to San Francisco, San Francisco to Sydney. And the San Francisco to Sydney leg is now on United, which will come into play, unfortunately, later. So all six of us got off of the phone. We're all rebooked on six different flights, which is also fascinating. I will say I had the best rebooking of all six of us. There was someone who's rebooked from Dallas to Washington State from Washington State to Montreal from Montreal he had to rent a car and go to a different part of Canada and then from there he was going to go to Australia so listen I had like the best thing going on and it was for the next day by the way I mean there was nothing leaving the airport anymore so all six of us then are responsible for putting ourselves up because the airlines don't do it if there's a weather condition. Plus, there's no one from the airlines at the fucking airport. And Qantas is an Australian airline company. So it's not like they even know they had no idea of what was going on in Dallas, which frankly was not their fault. I mean, I do wonder if the lady I was talking to was having some kind of like brain aneurysm or something like I think someone should check in on her. But that's neither here nor there. So then we start calling hotels. It takes 30 different hotels for us to find a hotel that has room because there's storms in Dallas and everyone's stranded there. So finally, we find a hotel that has room and then we call an Uber. It takes forever to get an Uber and then we get in the Uber and it all starts to click why shit is going down. The city of Dallas made quite literally zero attempts at doing anything to the roads at all. They were just covered in snow and ice. They quite literally did nothing. Now, I figured it never snows in Dallas, so they just have no idea what to do. But the driver was like, no, we get a snowstorm every year. And we were like, really? And he's like, yeah. And we were like, why are what? Like, if you get a snowstorm every year, you should know what to do. Good God. In New York, if there's a 1% chance of snow, there is salt lining every single fucking street. The moment there's a millimeter of snow, the plows are out. Why Dallas did nothing if they actually get snow every year? I mean, I don't know. Maybe this dude was wrong. Who fucking knows? I have no idea. So, by the way, this is all going down on Tuesday of last week. So exactly a week ago is when the shenanigans started. So we're in the Uber and he's like, you know what? I'm not sure that I can get you to your hotel because a lot of roads are closed. And we were like, well, excellent. We'll just sleep in the car with you. I mean, that's that's really like at this point like we'd expect nothing less but he is able like bless his soul wonderful human being he was able to get us to our hotel it took like an hour an hour and a half when it should have been like a 15 20 minute drive which to be abundantly clear I am not complaining about even in the slightest bit because I appreciate people who drive safely like I am not I am a safety first kind of gal. I'm not into like, you know what I hate? Like, do you remember when we were in high school? There would be like boys who like to play like card games or like fucking like street race or dumb shit like that. Like, I don't think that's funny at all. Like, I don't think that's interesting. Like, I cars are a responsibility. Cars are a privilege. And we like we should not take them lightly. Like I think cars should be controlled like guns, although that's not really saying much in America because it's not like we're doing a whole lot to control the guns. You know what I mean? But think of like a state that has very strong gun control laws. I think cars should be controlled 
in the same manner. And I understand that we've set up a system in America where you quite literally like need cars a lot of places to be able to like have a livelihood. And I do think that that needs to change. I mean, in Germany, there's just public transportation everywhere. I'm going to get off this tangent about cars, but I do think driving is a very serious thing. and We just dole out driver's licenses. And a really good example of that is I have a New York State driver's license and I have no business having a driver's license. Like, trust me, you do not want to see me driving a fucking car. I mean, I can prove it to them if they want, but that was a mistake. And that's how I know the laws are way too fucking lax. Okay, moving right along. So we get to the hotel and um, a few people go to bed. There are three of us that were like, we're too wired. We can't sleep. The other two get a glass of wine. I didn't really feel like drinking. So I just like hung out with them. We chit chatted, whatever. It's like, by the time we got to the hotel, it was like 1.32. So we just hang out for a while, whatever. We go to bed. I'm like pretty anxious all night and just like have a feeling something's going to go wrong. I wake up in the morning and I check and my flight from Dallas to San Francisco is canceled. Shock fucking surprise. So I call American Airlines help and they're like, oh, it's like three, four hours to get through to anyone. So I hang up. I just look online and I'm like, can I get like a United flight from Dallas to San Francisco? So I see a way to get a a flight to San Francisco. It involves me going from Dallas to Houston, Houston to San Francisco. And keep in mind, I have to pay out a fucking pocket for this. So I'm like, whatever, I'll do it. And it leaves like in three hours. So I buy it. I I don't even like shower, brush my teeth, anything. I just throw the same clothes on. I run downstairs. Oh, and I called an Uber immediately. But of course, it's like 30 minutes away. I see a lady sitting in the lobby. I was like, hey, are you going to the airport? And she's like, yeah. I was like, do you have a ride coming? And she's like, yeah, do you want to share it? I was like, yeah, I'll give you cash. Like, let's split it. So she's like, great. Super nice lady. Um, We're riding together to the airport about halfway there. She finds out that her flight is canceled. Mine so far is still on. So get to the airport and it is the longest security line of my fucking life. Now, let me tell you, this bitch has seen some shit, okay? Like, it is not, like, my first time seeing a long line. Like, I've been to Disney World. I've been to Disney World in peak season. I've waited in line for, like, fucking Harry Potter lines at, um, you know, Harry Potter World at Universal. Like, I have seen some shit. Like, I'm no stranger to long lines. I'm telling you, this is the longest line I've seen in my entire fucking life, and here is why. There was only one TSA checkpoint open in Dallas Airport, which is a large airport. It's the American hub and everyone's flights had just been fucking canceled and everyone's back at the airport. And the reason there's only one TSA checkpoint open is because most employees of the fucking airport couldn't get to the airport because the roads were not plowed. You know what? One takeaway from the story is like, I'm done with Dallas. I am done with Dallas. I've never had a good experience in Dallas, but okay, moving right along. So I'm like, holy shit, like I might miss my flight because um, of this like security line, yada, yada, yada. Make it through the security line. It took about an hour and a half to two hours to get out of the security line, run to my gate. But my flight from Dallas to Houston is delayed. By the way, I nearly called Houston Houston because I'm so used to Houston Street in New York. And I will never forget when I first moved there, I saw that it was spelled like Houston, but I thought I'd heard people call it Houston before. So I was really unsure. And one time I was like, Houston? And people were like, yeah, that's in another state, you dumb, dumb bitch. And I was like, okay, I'm so sorry. I've been here for one day. <laughs> Moving right along. So 
I'm like, cool, whatever. Um, so I'm sitting at the gate. I'm just like trying to keep calm, whatever. Keep in mind, by the way, I have no idea where my checked bag is. I'm just like hoping and assuming people are doing their job and putting it on the flight that I'm rebooked on, right? Like a normal person would do, like they're supposed to do, like their jobs tell them they should do. Anyway, so get on my flight from Dallas to Houston, land. I sprint out of the airplane, sprint all the way. By the way, I'm carrying all of my podcast stuff. And I just want to reiterate, I had like done something to my back not long before this. Like a few days ago, I couldn't even move my neck. Oh, and this might be a good time to mention the last time I'd eaten at this point, and this is all going down on Wednesday, was Monday. Monday was the last time I ate because I had so much fucking anxiety. I literally was like sick to my stomach. Like I couldn't even think about food. Okay, so I run to my gate to get to San Francisco. I like barely have any time. I'm like literally like I almost collapsed because A, it turns out a bitch is like super out of shape. Like this really was a wake up call for me that I need more movement in my life. And it's not like for vanity reasons. And like, frankly, mental health. Sure. I mean, (laughs) my mental health really could stand to improve. But number one, it's like in case of an emergency, I need to be able to run away. Like I was barely able to do that. I'm lugging all this stuff. I run there and the guy at the gate is like we have to gate check your carry on. And I was like, is there any room at all? Because I already have one bag lost, but this bag contains the equipment for my job. This is my livelihood. Like if I can't, if I lose this bag, I can't do my job. And given how much I paid at this point for this travel, I quite literally need it to be able to continue eating, which I also P.S. have not done since Monday. And he's like ignoring me, like being such an asshole. I mean, literally ignoring me, not answering me, not paying attention to me, like acting like I don't exist. So finally, I'm like, fine, fine, fine. Check it, you fucking piece of shit. And so I go down the runway to the person who I'm supposed to hand it to. And I was like, hey, like, can you please just be so careful with this bag? Like it has my medication in it. It has all the equipment for my job in it. If it gets really banged up, like, you know, shit could break. And like, I just, I really can't risk losing this blah, blah. I'm being super nice, super sweet. Like as I can be sometimes, like not always, but I can be sometimes. And the guy from the gate chases me down there, turns to that dude and goes, no, don't be careful with her bag. No, don't be careful with her bag. That is what that piece of shit said. And I just like lost it. All of the stress, all of the anxiety, all of like the concern, all of the shit that I've been through, all of the not eating, everything bubbled up all at once. And I just started hysterically crying, like hysterically crying. And a flight attendant, because keep in mind, we're like right by the airplane at this point, witnesses this whole thing. And he's like, dude, stop being an asshole. We have plenty of room on the airplane here. I'll take your bag and I'll put it away myself. And these two flight attendants like hugged me and like gave me water and like got me to calm down. They're like, I'm so sorry. I don't know what his deal is, like blah, blah. 
Great. I get on my flight to San Francisco. I get there. At this point, I have like a decent layover. So I go to the United Lounge. I get some work done. Everything's great. I make it on my flight to Sydney. Um, my flight is lovely. I'm sitting next to like a, an amazing guy. I mean, it's everything is great. I watch some movies. I listen to some shit. I play some games on my phone. I do a bunch of meditating. I take a little nappy nap. I um, get to Sydney. Um, everything's going great. I'm super happy. Now I know my luggage isn't going to be there, but like stuff is stuff, right? I, I'm really actually quite calm, quite zen about all of this. And, um, and they told me like, once you, uh, like I'd called, who did I call? I called American and they were like, once you get to Sydney, go talk to the baggage people and you give them your information. And then once the bag gets there, they'll deliver it to you. And I was like, great, beautiful, stunning. Who can't do that? You know, um, so I go t- talk to the baggage people and they're like, what airline did you take to get here? And I was like, well, United, but it's a bit more complicated than that. And he's like, no, I need to know. And like literally wouldn't listen. And like, I'm just like, and I lost it again. I started sobbing. By the way, this is this is Friday that this is happening. I get to Sydney on Friday. I started traveling on Tuesday, okay, to put it in perspective. And I also have not eaten since Monday. Okay. Like, this is insane. Like, I was like losing my mind. So I start like fully sobbing and I'm like begging, like, can you please just listen to me? And he goes, We have 300 people I can't listen to. And I literally look around. I'm the only person standing at this desk. I was like, I'm so sorry. Are you like seeing invisible people? Because I'm the only person standing here. I could have told you the story six times by now if you just fucking listen to me. And then like I call security over basically. And I'm like, this guy is refusing to help me. And so and he's like, no, 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 I'm totally helping her. I'm totally helping her. I'm like, that's absolutely not true. Um, Whatever. I give my information, yada, yada. Um, So now I'm here. I'm in Sydney. Everything's lovely. The weather's great. It's so fucking nice to be with Ozzy again. And like, I love his family so much. Everything's been wonderful. The back thing is still a little stressful. So basically, like, um, this is what's been happening the past few days as far as the bag. I call American Airlines because that's who I checked it in with. And they're like, we handed off your bag to Qantas. And I'm like, beautiful, stunning. Thank you. I call Qantas and Qantas is like, we handed off your bag to United. And I'm like, beautiful, stunning. Thank you so much. I call United and they're like, Qantas has your bag. And I'm like, hmm. Okay, we're running into a bit of an issue. So I call Qantas and they're like, no, United has your bag. So I call United and they're like, no, Qantas has your bag. So that's kind of the hell that I'm stuck in right now. Just going Now The one nice thing is American Airlines is like squarely out of the picture. No one's accusing them of having my bag. (laughs) Not entirely sure which of these two asshole airlines has my bag. And like, you know what it is for me? Let's say my bag is lost. Would it kind of suck? Of course. Like, do I have a ton of clothes that I love in there? Sure. Do I have like all of my skincare in there? Yes, of course. Do I have a month's work of worth of contact lenses in there? Of course. Do I have two books in there? Yes. Do I have shit that I brought over for people here? Yes. But whatever. Stuff is stuff, right? My safety, my health, etc. is more important than that. And I'm glad I'm here safe and sound and not stuck in like shitty ass Dallas in a shitty ass hotel room with a bunch of people who are not trying to help me at all, right? So that's whatever. 
for me, what's frustrating is like the lack of help. That's what makes me break down. In both situations, what was really like pissing me off where I had those full breakdowns was when like people were basically ignoring me, like acting like I don't exist. And it's funny because in psychology, like we always talk about this. I say we like I don't know who, what role I play within psychology, but whatever. It's called stonewalling if you're like ignoring someone in an interpersonal relationship. And it's considered to be like one of the worst kinds of abuse. Like it, like even like when parents sometimes do it to their kids, like just straight ignore the kids. Like it's considered to be abuse. So I would say these people abused me. But you know, like I was talking about this yesterday with one of Ozzy's friends because she was like, have you reported like that, like the guy who was like, no, don't be careful with her back, which is in retrospect, like kind of funny, but, um, but like he did not say it in a joking cadence. And I was like, no, I didn't report him because if you're being that big of an asshole to someone who you don't even know, who's done nothing to you, who like, you just have like no reason to even be upset with, then there has to be something like exceptionally wrong in your personal life. Like I can only imagine how hard shit is for him, like how much unresolved trauma he has to be that big of an asshole for like absolutely no reason and like the last thing he needs is to be like reprimanded or fired from his job like what he needs is therapy which he's not gonna get because he's not aware that something is wrong but you know whatever anyway during this like four day hell fiasco where I took a nice little tour of these United States before I moved on to Australia I really tried to flash back to I think it was like two episodes ago where I was talking about the 10 year study on people who are like, quote unquote, lucky and how they share four attributes in common. And the last one that I listed was that when, quote unquote, bad things happen to them, they kind of reframe them as good things like they look for the silver linings and the good in things that are like kind of traditionally considered to be bad. So at every stage of this, I really kept trying to like go back to like okay what are like the silver linings here like what good things can come out of this like in what way can I reframe this as actually like a lucky experience which you know was a bit hard to do um and like I was doing it like one thing I kept thinking of is like this is a really good opportunity for me to practice like keeping my nervous system regulated under stress um and like another thing was like I was shown a lot of kindness, like, for example, the um, like the fact that they were trying to hold that flight to Sydney and Dallas that first night, which I mean, obviously they couldn't hold it long enough, but they did try, which I thought was really nice. Um, Or, you know, that guy at the gate who was like, dude, like, I'll I'll get her back. Like those two flight attendants were so kind to me. If there's even a remote universe in which you guys are listening, which like, I don't know if it's like so narcissistic that I think like all these United people are listening to me. But if you are a flight attendant on United who um, was so kind to me that day, or if this gets back to you in some way, it was a flight from Houston to San Francisco. I will probably remember that on my deathbed. It was like some of the most kindness I have witnessed in my life. 
Um, I also like met some really wonderful people like the six of us who were stranded together in Dallas that first night. Like I really think we're like low-key kind of trauma bonded and we all helped each other a lot. Like we shared that Uber. We were helping each other get rooms. Like I put someone's room on my credit card because I don't know. She didn't have a credit card. I'm not entirely sure what was going on. She gave me cash. There was someone else who like she's Australian and had no U.S. cash left and she ended up being in Dallas for days more and I just gave her like cash like I gave her $50 um, U.S. cash because I had it on me and I was like you're gonna be here you're gonna be stuck here I want you to have cash on you just in case um and like the last one, like I wrote this down actually when I was on the flight from San Francisco to Sydney, I was like, good things feel better after bad things happen. Like while I was sitting on that flight from San Francisco to Sydney, like I felt euphoric. I felt so fucking good because after all the shit that I'd gone through, I was finally on this nice airplane in a nice seat and I was going to my final fucking destination. Now... Was I always this happy and positive? No, I told you about two full meltdowns I had where I was like crying, shaking, sobbing, etc. There were moments where I was angry. I mean, I went through the full spectrum of emotions, which like I'm a human being. Even earlier today before I recorded when I was like doing more, you know, run around on this bag, I got really frustrated. And again, what's frustrating for me isn't the situations themselves like I guess like you know what this this is a silver lining that I just put together right now I guess a trigger for me is like not being helped or being addressed or like being listened to I guess that is a very specific trigger for me so now what I can do is like figure out the root of the trigger like maybe there were like times in childhood where I was ignored or my needs were ignored or something like that I'm not entirely sure um but yeah that's something to look into so look at me just doing like real-time work on myself while recording this when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Anyway, so being in Australia has been amazing. The first night was a little chaotic. Ozzy and I were staying at his friend's place and um, there was like a whole thing with the dog in the middle of the night that like truly was not the dog's fault, even like in the most remote sense. But like the, like something must have happened outside and the dog started barking. Actually, OK, this is kind of funny. So when Ozzy and I first started dating, we'd always be sleeping at my place. Right. And he would always sleep on the left side of the bed, which was great because I actually always slept on the right side of the bed, like when I slept alone. So he just slept on the side I didn't sleep on. And then I remember the first time we traveled together, he slept on the other side of the bed. And I was like, sure, whatever. I like to change things up. I mean, they say like Alzheimer's is a completely preventable disease. And one of the things that helps you prevent it is by like changing the way that you do things. So like, sure, let's switch the side of the bed that we sleep on. I don't give a shit. Like, what does it matter to me? Um, so... And then like as we kept traveling together, I would notice that he like we'd keep flipping sides of the bed. Again, I didn't think much of it. One time, finally, he was like, hey, by the way, the reason I'm sleeping on the side of the bed is because I'm closer to the door. And I was like, what? And he's like, well, no, I have to be like closer to the door so that if there's ever some kind of like danger, I can protect you. And I was like, 
oh, look at like my big macho protector man. Cool. So, you know, that night, actually, when I went to the room to sleep there, I um, no, his friends were out of town. So we were like watching the dog. So I almost slept on the left side of the bed. And then I was like, oh, wait, no, this is the side by the door. So I got on the right side Ozzy got in the bed on the left side. We go to sleep. We'd been to sleep for like an hour. We wake up to the sounds of the dog barking and like frantically barking like something's wrong. And Ozzy, when I tell you, sprang out of bed like faster than I've ever seen, starts running to check to see what it is. And we're not entirely sure what happened because we had been awake for one second when this all went down and it was like 1 a.m. He's on the ground all of a sudden. And I mean, on the ground, like literally his feet flew up behind him. He's like horizontal in the air, face down and collapses on the ground. I was like, oh my God, did he break something? But he gets back up. He runs to the back door, which we had left open because it's like so nice out with the screen shut. Um, checks. There's nothing there. Once like kind of the danger is over, he looks down and he's bleeding from his foot. And we're like, what the fuck happened? And there's just like a track of blood. Now, it looks like like puncture wounds from a dog bite. So our best guess, and this dog, I cannot overemphasize, is like not an aggressive dog. She's super sweet. She's super cuddly and exceptionally well-behaved, like super well-trained, like will stop anytime you tell her to stop, like really well-behaved, really sweet, just like the most wonderful girl ever. So, um... Yeah, I'm not like entirely sure what happened, but we think like maybe she was like already startled by what was going on outside and they may have like collided and she freaked out and accidentally like bit him a bit, but he's bleeding a bunch. We kind of like I made a saltwater bath for him that night to soak his foot in and then bandaged it up. The next morning we went to the doctor, got a tetanus shot, got some antibiotics, got it rewrapped. Like it's fine. He'll be, he'll be fine. It's not again, it wasn't like if the dog wanted to hurt him, she could have, but she did not want to hurt him. She's like the sweetest best dog ever. Um and she was like hiding after that. And we like gave her treats to coax her out and stuff. It was like all well wonderful etc um but yeah that that was kind of like my crazy last week also the parts of the story that I admitted was that I was booked on six different flights that were canceled so at some point I was like booked going to New Zealand I was booked all sorts of fucking places and all that show was canceled. So it's like pretty, pretty wild. Um, but yeah, I didn't want to bore you with all those details before his recording. Ozzy was like, do you really want to get into this entire story? Yeah, I don't think anyone gives a shit. And I was like, well, I don't know. I think some people might care. <laughs> anyway, moving right along. So yesterday we were in an area of Sydney called Manly. It's like on the northern beaches. And we were at this wharf bar with a bunch of Aussie's friends. And it was super fun. <coughs> Excuse me, I had a cough. It was super fun. And um, we're just like sitting outside, having drinks, having food, whatever. And one of Ozzy's friends and his wife were there and his wife had like a tote bag and she just like threw it behind us and there were a bunch of bags behind us so she just put it down there and her phone was in it also and the family that had a bunch of bags there at some point went and grabbed all their bags and I guess left the bar and we didn't like really like I do remember someone coming and grabbing a bunch of bags but I didn't think much of it and then um she goes to like grab her phone to order food because you know those like QR code menu things that's like how we live our lives these days which 
I don't know. Fine. Whatever. I mean, I don't know. I mean, is the QR code going to turn around an iPad for me to have to tip on? <laughs> anyway, moving right along. And she realizes her bag is missing. And we, you know, kind of surmise that probably that family, when they came to grab their bags, accidentally grabbed her bag also. And so she's kind of like, oh, what do I do? I have my phone on silent. Now, the first thing I told her was go to the bar and see if like maybe they realized they accidentally grabbed your bag and they gave it to the bar instead of bringing it back here. Right. That would be like I like I could understand why someone would do that. So go do that first. If that doesn't work, I know how you can find your phone. Now, her bag with her phone in it and everything in it was behind that bar. So we didn't have to go to step two. But as I was like kind of explaining what the next step would have been, someone was like, you know what? I don't think a lot of people know this. Maybe you should talk about this on the podcast. And I was like, you know what? That's not a half bad idea. So I don't know. Maybe you do know this. Maybe you don't. But if you don't know, here's what you do. So you take someone else's phone and you log in. And this, by the way, specifically is if your phone is on silent. If your phone is volume on, obviously use someone else's phone to call it first, right? Of course. But if your phone is on silent, you log on to iCloud on someone else's phone. Go to find my iPhone and there's an option to make it play a sound. It'll override the fact that your phone is on silent and play a very loud, very annoying sound. So that's step one. Step two is you can make it display a message on the screen of the phone. So then you make it display a message that's like, hey, call this number if you found a phone and you give like your friend's number, or whoever you're with's number so that the person who found it has a way to return it to you. Because keep in mind, phones are locked. And that brings me to the next part of this. So this is what to do if you find an iPhone that is locked and you're like, well, how do I return this to the owner? Because I have no idea who it belongs to. Now, this happened to me in reverse last year. I was at my brother's friend's child's birthday party in New York City. And I get there. I'm carrying like a big gift. I, you know, drop it off. And then I'm like helping out and mingling and schmoozing and like literally not paying attention to my phone at all. I'm being this like present social butterfly kind of chick. Like I've never been more proud of myself. And at some point, my brother calls his friend whose child's birthday party I'm there at. And he's like, hey, is my sister with you? And because my brother knew I was going to the birthday party. And he's like, yeah. And he hands the phone to me. Now let me reverse. Before I entered my brother's friend's building to attend the child's birthday party, my phone fell out of my pocket. I had no idea because I was being a super present pitch and not checking my phone. Now, this might be a lesson to not be so mindful and check your phone more often. I don't know. But um, I had no idea. A guy finds it on the street. Phone is locked. He has no idea what to do. He did quite possibly the smartest thing I've ever heard of. And I'm telling you because I'm not sure I would have thought of this. If you take a locked iPhone and speak into the microphone and say, hey, Siri, Sorry, I'm saying it quietly because I'm scared my phone will chime up. Hey, S-I-R-I. Um, she will perk up and then you can say, call home, call dad, call mom. You can try things like that that are kind of generic that everyone, you know, has some version of. Like one of the three is probably going to work for someone. And so he did call dad. It called my dad and he's like, hey, I found this phone on the street. Um... And at first, my dad was a little sketched out. So he calls my brother and my brother calls his friend because he knew I was there. And he's like, 
did you lose your phone? And I was like, what are you talking about? And I checked my pockets and I was like, oh shit, I don't have my phone. You're right. And so he gives me the guy's information. We call the guy, meet up together. I get my phone. I go home. All's happy. So here's what to do. If you lose your phone, here's what to do. If you find a phone. Okay, moving right along to the actual topic of the week. Now, this is inspired by a very, very good comment that I got on TikTok where someone was like, uh, ha- like I've like communicated to my partner that I need more reassurance and it hasn't happened, what do I do? So we're going to do a full breakdown of how to communicate your needs depending on your attachment style. So first, I really want to talk about like why it is so hard for us to communicate our needs. There's like fear of being a burden. There's fear of being rejected. There's like a very true evolutionary need to be accepted as part of society, as part of a tribe, because, you know, historically, if you weren't part of a tribe, if you were exiled from the tribe, that meant you died. You had to belong to the tribe to be able to stay alive. So like fear of being rejected and things like that really come from like that strong evolutionary need. Plus, there's a lot of like learned responses and trauma here here. Like if your needs are chronically not met, you learn to not even voice them and not even expect anyone to be able to meet them. Or if you've ever been called like too much or dramatic or some variety of things like that, you learn to suppress your needs. But in addition to all of these like evolutionary, biological and like trauma responses, I also think there's something else at play, specifically with romantic relationships where, you know, we grew up in the age of Disney. And by the age of Disney, I don't mean like Frozen, where she learns that, you know, the only love that she needs is self-love, right? I mean, like toxic Disney prince comes and saves the princess kind of fantasy conditioning, right? Like we also live in a time where the phrase like if he wanted to, he would is thrown around a lot. And that's not always true. Like, yeah, maybe if he wanted to, he would. But if he doesn't know, then he won't, you know? But like we generally speaking have this like fantasy notion that the right person can magically read our minds and anticipate all of our needs. And unfortunately, That's not true. It's important that we learn how to communicate our needs because A, people cannot mind read and B, and this is like a little bit deeper, but communicating your needs is owning and acknowledging them. Like when you don't, it's kind of like you're denying your own needs and energetically that's what you attract. Like if you're denying your own needs, then your brain is only going to be capable of seeking out other people who will deny your needs also. Because keep in mind, our brains constantly seek out familiarity. So our brains, I know I say this a lot, but they will choose a familiar pain over an unfamiliar pleasure. It will always seek out what it already knows. So if you are denying your own needs and when you refuse to communicate your needs, you're really denying your own needs, then your brain is only going to find situations where your needs also aren't being met. Now, I want to talk about like common needs according to your attachment style before I talk about how to actually communicate them. So common needs for the anxiously attached is reassurance, attention, and consistency. Common needs for the avoidant are space, you know, 
avoidance needs space to process their emotions. It can take a while to get beneath like the numbness that they feel and figure out what they actually think and feel. And avoidance need independence. They're used to being an island. It can be jarring to take that away. And frankly, like if you're an anxiously attached person who is dating an avoidant, then I know that that independence like can be really hard for you. And I also know that avoidance can be very hyper independent and that's a problem also. But it is like some level independence is a very like normal human need. And it can really be helpful for you as the anxious to develop a stronger relationship with yourself so that you can both thrive in the relationship and within yourself. And for the fearful avoidant, it's really a combination of the two. So as far as communicating all these needs, it's kind of a step-by-step process. Number one, like I always talk about this anytime I've ever talked about communication at all, you really have to pay attention to the timing. You have to personally be in the right space. The situation has to be calm and the other person has to have space. So like you want to be calm. You don't want to be trying to have conversations or communicate things when you're heated, when you're angry, when you're upset. Like you want to wait until you're in a right headspace. You don't want to do it if the situation doesn't call for it. Like you guys are at, I don't know, your sister's birthday party or like the situation is really heated or other people are around or you're in a hurry to get somewhere. You get what I mean. It has to be in the right space. And the other person has to have the space and the capacity to be able to have a conversation or to be able to receive things. And I always say this, just ask someone if they have space for something before unloading on them. Now, once you like are in the right setting space, headspace, yada, yada, you want to be very clear and direct. So for example, the avoidant would want to say something like, I don't want it to feel like I'm ignoring you. Sometimes I just need space to be able to process my thoughts. Now, this next one is where most people fail. You want to be specific and you want to give examples Like you can communicate a need all live long day, but if someone doesn't know how to fulfill it, they won't because they don't know how. Or sometimes they think they know how, but they don't actually know how. And if they think they know how, they're certainly not going to ask you. But even if they don't know how, they might not ask you because it's your responsibility to communicate that. So let's say, for example, you're an anxiously attached person, like going back to the comment, the person who left that comment on my TikTok, who, by the way, love you, thank you. Like, I think this is such a great topic for a podcast. And so thank you so much for asking it. So let's say you ask for reassurance. It's possible that your partner, like, like what upon hearing it is like, okay, yeah, totally. Like that seems like something I would know how to do, right? That's what they're thinking to themselves. Like, sure, I can reassure you. Of course, why not, right? A week goes by, you see zero change. What's happened is they did intend to reassure you. It seemed straightforward in the moment, but in practice, they really had no idea what to do. So it just kind of like lost, got lost in the jumble of life. A week later, you get angry because you asked them to do something and they didn't do it. And so, you know, whatever you go into protest behavior, you might start playing games with them. You might start like ignoring them, but trying to get them to chase you. You might start blowing them up. You might, you know, kind of blow up get angry, whatever it is, you're going to have a reaction because you 
voiced a need and it wasn't met. Meanwhile, they just like literally had no idea how to meet it. Or maybe the way that you need reassurance is different from what they would think is would work, right? So going back to the same example, you say that you need more reassurance and they're like, amazing, great, can totally do that. And they start rubbing your back every day. They're patting you on the back. They're touching your shoulder. They think that's reassurance to them. That's reassurance. But what you actually wanted was verbal reassurance. Things like, hey, things are going so well. I'm so into you. This is so fun. You know, <laughs> love what we're doing here. You're really holding it down. You really <laughs> know how to pop that pussy. I don't know, whatever, whatever it is that you need to hear, right? That's what you wanted. They think that the rubbing your back, et cetera, is doing it. So a week goes by to you. You feel like you're getting zero reassurance. They think they've been doing all the reassurance. So whatever, you go into protest behavior, you freak out, whatever it is, or like, like let's say you're not even reacting, but you just internally feel hurt and they have no idea what's going on because what they think is all week, I've been reassuring you, you know? So whatever need it is that you have, ask yourself, like, how would I feel X, Y, Z? How would I feel independent? How would I feel like I have space? How would I feel reassured? So like going back to reassurance, how would I feel reassured? Reassured. What would reassurance look like for you? Is it a specific action? Is it them helping out around the house? Is it them buying you flowers every day, every week, every month? Is it them, I don't know, taking the trash out? Is it them defending you to other people? Is it them talking about you to other people? Is it them introducing you to their friends? I mean, like, is it specific words? Is it like specific phrases you want to hear? Like, hey, I really like you. This is going so well or like, hey, I'm super into this or like, I don't know, is it like a weekly check in about your relationship? I mean, it can be whatever it looks like to you. You just have to have an understanding of what it looks like to you. So really sit down with yourself before you communicate this and be like, okay, how would I have this need met? What specific words, actions, or I don't, I, I don't know what exists beyond words and actions, but whatever it is, really get specific and then communicate those specific things so that the other person can do it. Because again, this is not a Disney fairy tale. No one's a mind reader. We're all different. We're all very unique people who have had very different life experiences. And we can't just expect each other to know what works for the other. I mean, this isn't some like Megan Fox, MGK, Twin Flames bullshit. Like we're not missing puzzle pieces. Like Ozzy and I work so well together. We really do. Like it's honestly kind of shocking to me. Like earlier when I was like kind of having a breakdown over uh, United and Qantas just giving me the runaround and claiming that the other person has my back all day like it was like, like it was a sick sick game of playground tag you know how much I hated tag in elementary school like I don't know it was always it always just made me if I was it I hated it if I wasn't it I didn't really care I mean I was never kind of like the running type of bitch but like if I wasn't it I didn't really really care but if I was it it's just like everyone running away from me like good god did that trigger my abandonment issues like it just felt shitty anyway that's kind of or like a volleyball. I don't know what analogy to use here, but I just hate how they're passing my luggage back or not passing my luggage back and forth. God, probably no one has my luggage and they're just claiming that everyone else has it, whatever. But where was I going? <laughs> Why am I talking about this? Oh, that's right. 
like he was able to like be such a rock for me in that moment and like really help out and like he didn't care like that I was being hysterical or anything he was just like there to help me and that's great like he knows how to hold me down when I'm triggered I know how to hold him out when down when he's triggered and then beyond that like we just have so much fun together. We have kind of similar philosophies on life and like similar ways that we live life. Like things work really, really well, but that doesn't mean that he just magically knows what I need all the time and vice versa. It works because we communicate. And in the early days of us dating, like, yeah, I'd done so much work on attachment stuff. And that's why I was able to be in a place where I was capable of communicating I was like okay like I need reassurance and for me what that looks like is I need to hear from you every day like so long as I hear from you every day like I know that we're good or there was a phase where we went through where like once in a while I just be like hey you're still into me right and he's like yeah <laughs> and that was it that's all I needed I just once in a while just needed to know that like he's still into me and things are good and I just kind of like check in on the relationship and make sure he's not like harboring some kind of resentment because I had a lot of trauma around that like I've dated guys where like they were like upset about something and like okay I dated this guy I think I've told this story my senior year of high school who the girl that he dated before me cheated on him and um, that like really, really shook him like it was a very severe and listen, like for everyone who's been cheated on and I know there are a lot of you because you're in my DMs a lot. It is like it's a type of violation that really fucks with someone like it really, really does. I did know he had been cheated on, but I had never really been cheated on. I mean, I did date this guy my freshman year of high school who went to another school and like whatever we met at the mall and we'd like talk and he's like, yeah, will you be my girlfriend? And I was like, yeah, baby. Um, And then I found out he'd like had another girlfriend the entire time. But like it was like two weeks and it really wasn't that deep, you know, but like to really be cheated on like that, like he was 18, you know, it really, really fucks with you. But I don't think like I fully understood, understood it. And meanwhile, like I've always just kind of been a flirtatious person. And like this was, you know, I was like 17 going on 18. Like I was clubbing. I'd be out all the time. I'd be I was like very much in the Persian scene. So I'd go to all these like Persian concerts and stuff. I don't know. It's like that's a story for another time. But like I was always kind of flirty, but like I'm the most loyal person. Like I do not cheat. Like I would not cheat. I was never cheating on him at all or doing anything that loosely resembled cheating. But if he even saw me talking to a guy, he'd be triggered. And he had friends in his ear all the time that were like, he was definitely cheating on you. She's definitely cheating on you. Like, look how like outgoing she is when we're out, which the misogyny knows no bounds. Anyway, um, again, to reiterate, I was not doing anything loosely resembling cheating on him, but I had no idea all of this stuff was going on in the background. I thought we were perfectly fine. We never even fought. Everything was great. And then one day, out of the blue, five months into our relationship, he broke up with me and I was like, what? why like what's going on and he never told me and the way it fucked with me like for years so like I always have this thing even though I've done a lot of trauma work around it um and I would say I'm a lot better now but like in the early days with Ozzy I was really like what if like so like something is going on and he's not communicating it especially because like he's not like the most verbal communicator to begin with so it wasn't like 
uh, like outlandish for me to think that he could be harboring something. I would have absolutely no idea and then be completely blindsided thinking our relationship is going so great. Like if you watch The Real Housewives of Miami, that's basically what's going on, right? Like Lisa Hochstein had been with her husband for like many, many years. She beginning of the season is like running around talking about how great their marriage is, how they're like in this really great place and everything's amazing. Meanwhile, he has like a 14 year old girlfriend. Okay, not 14. Like you can't exaggerate in these ways, but like she's young as fuck, like 22, 23, 24. Who knows? Um, he has this young girlfriend and he just like blindsides her with this divorce. And she's been like out here being like, oh my God, we're so amazing. And he's like, you need to pack up your shit and get out of the house because I have my preteen girlfriend moving in. Disgusting. He is a disgusting person. Although to bring it full circle, when people do bad things, they're working on their own unresolved trauma. So it's not really nice that I called him a disgusting person. But clearly, he has a lot of his own unresolved trauma to be doing that. And I feel super, super horrible for her. Anyway, um, wow, we are just in Tangent City, huh? Um, But yeah, so I would check in with Ozzy and be like, hey, is everything good? Like, are you feeling good about our relationship? Like, there's nothing that's been bothering you, yada, yada, you're still into me, you're still into this. And you'd be like, yeah. So yeah, like be specific, voice your own needs, yada, yada. Um, Kind of like the two last things on how to communicate your needs One, repetition. Sometimes people need reminders, especially when something is new. Change is difficult and challenging sometimes. And especially when we're talking about like anxious and avoidant pairings, their needs are so different and often like quite opposite to each other that it's going to need some repetition. It's going to need some working together and that's okay. And also when you do communicate something, confirm that they understood. Like ask if they have any questions about this. Can I clarify? anything etc like confirm that they got it but like really if you're only gonna remember one thing from this episode it's like give examples be specific give examples but really like underlying all of this is one you have to be aware of your own needs like I used to chronically suppress my needs even from myself like I so desperately wanted to be that like kind of like cool laid back easygoing type of bitch which I'm not (laughs) and I guess like I wanted to be someone that I wasn't so it was really easy for me to ignore my own needs and if I was ignoring my own needs how in the world could I ever communicate them with someone else and you also have to do enough inner work like you have to do that subconscious work to subconsciously believe that you are worthy of having your needs met because if you don't believe and fully believe I don't mean on a conscious level because it's easy on a conscious level to be like oh I'm worthy of having my needs met and like sit in front of a mirror and do all those affirmations but you can do affirmations so you're blue in the face if you subconsciously don't believe that you are worthy of having your needs met then that's what you're going to project because we're constantly operating from our subconscious minds that's just how it is so if you are trying to communicate a need that you subconsciously don't believe that you are worthy of then that need likely is not going to be met Not always, 
but most likely is not going to be met. Now, you may ask yourself, why would I subconsciously think that I'm not worthy of having this need met? That goes back to the very beginning, why we struggle with communicating our needs. It's usually from unresolved trauma. Something has happened in your past where you were made to believe that if you communicate needs, you're too much or this or that, or this need isn't acceptable. Maybe it's from years of TV glamorizing people who are needless. I mean, as a society, we do tend to reinforce people who are needless and who just help others. Like we glamorize it. So that's why people pleasing and codependency are such rampant issues in our society that we've really only just recently become consciously aware of. So you might ask yourself, okay, like how do I fix my subconscious mind? I've said this before, I'll say it again, what has worked for me and what I teach in the Blush Academy is using neuroscience to quite literally rewire your brain into a more secure and confident person. So like what the Blush Academy courses do is there are guided meditations that take you into like a deep hypnotic state. And then from there, you eliminate the emotional hold of your trauma. It's not like you erase it from your memory. It's not like eternal sunshine of a spotless mind. But when you use trauma reprocessing tools, what happens is the emotional hold goes away and you also build new neural pathways of like a childhood or a background that would lead to a more like confident and secure place. So yeah, that's kind of that on communicating your needs. Um, This episode has been a bit all over the place, a lot of tangents. Um, You know, uh, I don't even really know what to say at this point. I'm so tired. I'm so exhausted. I'm so emotionally drained. And I've really tried to like be positive without being too toxically positive. Like I'm, I'm kind of glad that at some points I've just accepted like no at this point I need to break like this is my breaking point and I'm a human being and I'm allowed to have emotions and that's okay also and I can cry and whatever I really have tried to not take like earlier I was really angry and what I was really trying to be careful of is not taking that anger out on the people around me. Actually, one thing I was really trying to do is like go to a rage room or something where I can just break things to get the anger out of me or just like do something like scream into a pillow or something to just release that anger because, you know, anger is a charged emotion and you really like it's okay to feel angry. We're supposed to feel angry. Like if you're like try to take a cup away from its mama bear, that bitch will get angry. You know, you're supposed to get angry if your boundaries are viola- violated. We don't need to suppress anger, but we do need to release it so that we can move on. And it's also not fair to project your anger onto other people like Ozzy did not cause this shit show. The people who work for customer service for the various airlines, all 650 of them that I've spoken to in the past week, not one of them caused this shit show. So it's not fair. And like, frankly, even when they've been unhelpful, it's because their hands are tied. This is an unbelievably messy situation and no one really knows what to do. So at the end of the day, 
I don't know, just have a good week. I'm not even sure anymore. Um, No, but in all seriousness, thank you guys so much for listening. You know how much I love doing this podcast. You know how much I love connecting with you guys. And if you're enjoying listening to this podcast, if you learned something today, could you please leave a five-star review about how amazing and stunning and, uh, I don't know, lucky girl syndrome-y I am. And no, but seriously, if you could leave a five-star review, it takes a few seconds for you, but it helps the show so much. If you want to know how to do that, you just in the podcast app while you're looking at the show when it's listing the episodes, just scroll down below the episodes below see all you'll see a review, you'll see five stars that are outlined, you can tip tap the fifth star to leave five stars and then you'll see a little write a review box and that's how you do it you just write a review about how amazing this show is and how much it's helping you and also if you think there's anyone in your life who would benefit from this show from this episode from any of it please share it with them that's how the show has been growing so much and that is how I'm going to recoup all of the money that I've lost in the past week so actually it'd be tremendously helpful for me um Seriously, I love you guys. I've been so excited to record. I miss you guys. Like, I honestly have been just dying to recap the story to you guys because that's who I want to talk to. That's who I want to share my life with. So love you guys. Thank you for being one of the rocks that's held me sane because knowing that I at least had my podcasting equipment through all of this and can could, could still connect with you guys, it's what carried me through this entire time okay talk next week have a good week Um, implement some of the things that you've learned today in one way or another and we will talk next week bye